thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. This week, we catch up with Bert Soren at his private hunting club in South Carolina. If you're a fan of Power Athlete Radio or a critic, you know that sometimes our shit goes completely off the reservation. Well, just a little heads up, this is definitely one of those episodes. Get ready to drink in a solid 20-minute debate about movies made in 1985 versus 1994, and how old you'd have to feasibly be to have sex with Janis Joplin during her heyday. If you were at Sorenek's Summer Strong last year, you have some idea of what it's all about, but hearing Bert talk a little about the origin of the event and the evolution of the company over the years really articulates why he's dedicated so much heart to the Iron Game. Although the conversation meanders from movies to fatherhood to training, it's all set to the subtle backdrop of crickets and frogs singing in the background. I couldn't imagine a more perfect setting for shooting the shit with friend of the show and remarkable leader, Bert Soren. This is episode 192. Power Athlete Nation, what is up? John and Tex here on the road in Lexington, South Carolina home of Sorenex headquarters, and we are sitting down with Mr. Bert Soren. We just ate some elk. We had a little hunting adventure in which John, uh, we'll leave John to tell that story, how that went. And uh, Well, we didn't see anything. <laughs> we were out there. We didn't really see anything. I mean, we saw some moving blobs, but, uh, you know, we can't confirm or deny because, you know, Bert missed the shot. So, you know, he did. He, he fires your weapon. I did. Yeah, you did. I did. More of a bat and clean up that <laughs> thing. But uh, yeah, well, let's just get it out of the way. We were sitting up in a tree stand. It was pretty much blackout. We saw some moving masses and five, you know, five of them. And um, you know, I had a, a you know very moving easy, masses that we couldn't see much uh, more than ninety eight percent of details <laughs> of. But whatever. I had a cool. I had a chip shot, and I I still <laughs> this have no idea how I missed it. Or uh, there's no way I I heard that thing hit. And when I didn't hear the squeal, I was like, man, that's the quietest pick I've ever shot. <laughs> and uh, then when I walked out there and I didn't find it, Bert, thank God, made, tried to make me feel better by searching for an hour looking for blood trails, which we didn't see. And I wanted to be like, after like two minutes, I was like, dude, we don't see any blood trails. Stop looking. It's hurting my feelings that so you keep looking for it. But, um, well, I, I had to, to coddle your tender feelings. <laughs> I mean, I understand. There is no part of me that's tender. And I have, uh, you know, while I have ego and pride about myself, I am the first one to tell you when I fucked up and more importantly the fact that god damn it I don't know how I fucking missed that thing well, you so. gotta come back and redeem yourself or add to the legend of the miss either <sighs> way well, well isn't that the only miss from that rifle that you have yeah I mean I've only had it like a decade you know shot you know it's killed more than smallpox but no it's good no, it's so good. that rifle has never missed no well, oh. well not by my hand <laughs> <laughs> Well, don't worry. I'm taking it with me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it back to Texas with me. Oh, and I will totally redeem I was like, all of a sudden, like, to send a bunch of pictures of squirrels. You're like, you've been shooting squirrels with a 300 short mag? I'm like, yeah, I had to, like, redeem this it's thing. Like, get it's the like blood. a halfway house for my rifle. It like, gets it back on track. Like, what is that? Is that a human head? You're like, nah, it's a squirrel. Oh. No, we're good. Yeah, so no, it was, it was really super uh, great adventure. It was great to see you show your, your shooting prowess and that, those, those ice-cold veins that you showed us for years on the gridiron. And and I just, I see why you were the legend of Sean Wellborn now. It only makes sense. Uh, yeah, no, only this, makes sense. this only contributes to my legendary uh, inability to uh, 
to kill a pig. I mean, I, <laughs> well, you can't be good at everything. I mean, you know, surprisingly, so are... surprisingly, I you know I'm usually pretty good, but I you know I I don't know maybe that. You know, I mean, you were trying to tell me some BS about the scope and, you know, this. And, like, I was like, dude, I was like, yeah, that was a chip shot. The crazy part is I literally saw that pig come across. I put those crosshairs dead on his armpit. And I was like, big breath in. Pulled the trigger. And, and like, so much so. I, let, I, you, I, I put another one in and tried to get another pig. And you let your veganism just come right out. Well, it's because I don't have a beard. You were like Johnny Utah in Point Break. Oh, Yes. You were aiming at Bodie and you just couldn't do it. So couldn't you, do it. You missed. <laughs> Air quotes, missed. Well done. Well done. <laughs> so I was, ah! 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 But, you know, if I had killed something amazing, this podcast wouldn't nearly be as good because then we would just be skinning things. So text yeah, and actually, record that. That would have been epic. Right. But we would feel much more manly. Yeah. We would oh, feel man. less hungry, but yeah, more manly. Big. Yeah, well, I mean not tonight. Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> we have bourbon now, though. Yeah, we got bourbon. Can we say that on this? Yeah, yeah. sure, I'll do. Right yeah. I mean, so um, we fuck we want, right? <clears throat> uh, but Bert, tell tell us about the lamp. Okay. So on the drive out, you were telling us a little about it. It's pretty yeah. Cool so so I'm a member of a hunt club here in, in uh, Lexington. Well, it's at, right outside of Columbia, actually. We're about three miles from where the Gamecocks play, and uh, it's it's right on the border of the Congaree National Forest, which is one of the biggest wetland national forests in, in the country. And so <clears throat> we're just north of that. So we get all kinds of awesome game, whether it be deer, turkey, wild hogs, alligators, whatever kind of good, uh, you know, deep south movie fair type animals that you might want to see come up. So. Um, it's cool. We got about three thousand acres. We get to hunt it, and uh, it's sweet because I could get here from the office in about thirty minutes and just check my emails in a different, <laughs> different chair. Honestly, I hate to, I hate to say that I, I hunt really hard. It's usually just answering questions and putting out fires. But how often do you hunt? Do you, do you hunt every week? Uh, no, like uh, October, November, I hunt. <laughs> okay, October, November, I hunt probably two or three times a week, but oh. uh, the rest of the year, it's it's. Um, Probably only five times a week. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 Ask my wife. That's probably, I probably get in the woods maybe 40 times a year. Oh, wow. I would say. I try to do it as much as possible. Um, I, thankfully, a place like this is close enough where so I So you're can, not moving to Newport Beach anytime soon? Probably not. I've, I, I smell a good bit of gunpowder a year. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. So I, I think... You know, my, my favorite time is the sun coming up and the sun going down, and, and I always think I've gotten the most out of the day when I've been outside and seen both of them happen that day. Yeah. So, you know, you've really got to do much, and, you know, worked a 10-hour work day in the middle of it. So that's uh, that's something I really enjoy. Awesome. So we were out here to teach CrossFit sports-specific application. <coughs> CrossFit SSA. It's, it's a mouthful. It is uh, a mouthful. Seminar. So at... Uh, Sornex brand new facility and headquarters and showroom. I can't believe we, we have 75 people here to indoctrinate into the SSA. It's wild. Seven or five people. It's yeah, an amazing it was, number. <laughs> it was a five or seven. 75, yeah. 57, either one. Yeah. Uh, counting, but, really. but you know what? The group might be small, but they seem plugged in. But they're potent. Yeah, they're potent. <laughs> kind of like a 300 short mag. <laughs> and the accuracy is key. Go ahead. Everybody knows that a 300 short mag is not nearly as accurate as 
I don't know. A slingshot. A, a, a slingshot or a muzzle loader. <laughs> <Some> volleyball. <laughs> like a skeet shooter or something, you know? Um, but the, the environment in which we get to teach the seminar is very unique. Um, talk about, as soon as you walk in the doors, kind of give, I guess, an, an audio visualization. Sure. Of your plan, did it, did it pan out? Sure. Well, yes, it did. Uh, something that we've always kind of had, a, I wouldn't say a problem with, but Sornex were tied into the history of what we call the physical culture or the iron game. So there's been memorabilia, but also pieces that we've been a part of, whether it be the Arnold Strongman Classic, the World's Strongest Man, uh, parts and pieces that we've created for different entities, or just our own training that we've, we've done for decades. So we're really tied into the history of strength and where that's come from and what's the, what's the mindset of it, not what's kitschy or, or the, uh, the trend right now. So What is we, the trend right now? The trend right now, I think, I would say 10 years ago, it was everyone wanted to kind of be an athlete. And I think everyone now wants to be the smarter version of that and wants to think that they've heard all of the education and they could talk science with everyone and they obviously, everyone wants to look good naked. Sure. Uh, you know, that's that's the, the bottom line of it. Um, and it's good because everyone, I would say everyone, I use that, you know, hyperbole very loosely, but large muscle groups, squats, cleans, deadlifts. People, it's nice that, you know, 15 years later, people actually are wanting to do those. You walk into a Globo gym, you do a deadlift, someone doesn't look at you strangely. And if you do a clean, at least people think you do CrossFit. Yeah. Maybe you're just wanting to do cleans, but at least there's some, there's some sort of title uh, associated with it. But that being said, so uh, there, there's always been a problem of how do you have a, a root in the past of strength and conditioning in the iron game, but also be a company that's built on innovation in the future. So what we try to literally do is geographically separate those two within our new facility. So when you walk in, you walk into the history of strength and conditioning, which starts with uh, some parts and pieces, uh, some barbells, dumbbells, kettlebells, cable machines, some of them are almost 200 years old. And so you, you see that the idea of strength and the overload principle uh, is literally as old as the, the, the legend of Milo of Crete. Sure. Um, and it really goes back far to the idea of lift more weights, get stronger, get bigger, and be more uh, successful in your daily daily actions, but also be more aesthetically pleasing. You look at the old pictures, of, you know, or old statues of, of David, like we were talking about earlier, or Hercules, or whoever it may be. And that's been something among the ages that has been looked at. So there's that room you walk into the history of physical culture. You take an immediate uh, immediate left and you walk into what we consider the future of strength or at least the state of the art of strength, which is our actual gym, showroom, and uh, education center that you guys ran the, the conference in today, the seminar. So the idea of that is use the, the top rated tools, uh, the most customized, the most most cutting edge and we, we use the term cutting edge everyone uses the term cutting edge in my opinion and somewhat of uh, inaccurately um, because if you're truly cutting edge you actually are the data you're you're literally I the one going to go with kind of the steel working so it was like a <laughs> okay literally, right on literally, oh, literally the cutting literally edge. the cutting edge as in a saw or a laser or whatever maybe <laughs> well, we have those two that's through the other room. <laughs> 
But so part of the stuff that's in the new facility is just things we're working on and things we want to try. We're actually accumulating the data, having people like John come in and Tex and, and, and different athletes, different coaches to try things out. And let's all decide together, is this a good modality of training or is this complete BS? So it's, it's kind of our lab. It's our way we uh, let people know where the future of strength is going. And uh, besides that, there's a conference room, there's uh, sales offices with you know, fitness integrated uh, workspaces, there's random alligator heads around, you know, there's swords. And maybe the most badass desks that I've ever seen. <laughs> no, yeah. Sornex has really hit it out of the mark in terms of their construction and what they're doing in terms of like their stand-up desks. They actually had a set of bunk beds that I'm going to somehow score. I want a set of those bunk beds for, uh, for our office. So when text comes over and, right. and stays. Right. So yeah, we got the recovery center that so if you're gonna you're gonna lift, you're gonna move and, and you obviously have to recover from training. So we set up the facility exactly like that. There's a there's an area to lift, there's an area to run, move, jump, and then obviously you gotta have the recovery space that has four bunk beds in there, Tempur-Pedic mattresses, you know, showers, Normatex, Theraguns, everything like that so everybody could chill out. And also attachment points for handcuffs. Well, you said that I didn't. I'm just telling you. I mean, that, but that's what you told me yesterday. You're like, the best but, part about this is you can handcuff people to but this. But two-inch holes on center, one-inch spacer. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If, if you're into that. You know, and, and you and Texas, is great that y'all are staying there together. It's true. I mean, I'm really happy about it. I mean, it was so weird that you had the, uh, the Sornex ball gags. I just couldn't figure out why you were wearing them all the time. It was, uh, with that leather hat, it was so strange. I mean, well, but, it's, it's, it's you know, the hey. mandible. It's the mandible. It's the future. The future is the it's future cutting edge. Of Literally, we were talking about closing mm-hmm. the kinetic chain, right, with uh, mouthpieces and how you apply that to football. Uh, yeah, well, well, it was very similar to what uh, you know, revolutionizing that for weightlifting. Except it's we call that a, power gimp. That's where you're I, using I thought, all the lacrosse. I thought it was balls. kind of Pulp Fiction esque. Well, yeah, that's the new use of lacrosse balls. Perfect. So yeah. no more lacrosse, no more mobility. It's just just uh, closing the kinetic chain. <laughs> well, so going air quotes again. To this day, one of my favorite lines in a movie comes from Pulp Fiction when he's like, you all right? He's like, I'm pretty fucking far from all right. <laughs> like, we Marcel, cool? yeah, he's like, we cool? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We uh, cool. He's like, yeah, he's like, I haven't seen you again. He's like, you, you stay gone, you be gone. Uh, this is a perfect transition into the greatest movie year of all time. In my opinion, 1994. So this, we took a 30-minute break at the seminar day. Did we decide this. on 94? Uh, no, it was 1985. You decided. No, 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 no. That's no, 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 no. a two to three. Wait, wait, two, wait. hold on. One, right? You pull up right now. You pull up 1994, right. and we'll compare 1994 to 1985, which I believe to be the greatest movie year ever. Yeah, I'm going 85. By the way, well, you haven't heard 94 except for. It doesn't Fiction. matter. Hold on. And Forrest Gump. All right. And so in. Want to go tit for tat on this? Let's do it. What one for right. one? Here, John, you All can't right. rattle ten. Hold on. Hold Back on. to the future. That's pretty good. <laughs> Game over. <laughs> nope. <laughs> he just got slammed. <laughs> no, I. Just, Your fucking boat is ah. taking on water. Uh, Shawshank Redemption. Oh. oh. Okay. All right. Breakfast Club. Ooh, I like that. True Lies. Ooh. Hey. Goonies. Dumb and Dumber. Weird Science. The Lion King. Rambo. Part 2. That's the one with the bows. Natural Born Killers. Rocky 4. The Crow. Commando. You're out. Scrolling. Scrolling. (laughs) Speed. 
Spies like us. The mask. You're getting hosed. <laughs> You're swinging wild now. <laughs> Pee-wee's Big Adventure. D2, the Mighty Ducks. No! <laughs> right? The last... Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. Show enough! Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Ooh, he comes back strong. Oh, that's Fletch. Strong. Ooh, that's a good one. Stop Ma- Maverick. You, you put Maverick against Fletch? Yeah. Jeez. Sleeper pick, Mel Gibson. <sighs> Ace in the hole. He felt it. Teen Wolf. <laughs> Clear and present danger. Real genius. Val Kilmer's greatest movie. Naked Gun 33 and a half. The third. Alright. And you know what? I'm going to come with a knockout shot right now. Pale Rider. Major League Two. Uh... Oh my god. The legend of Billie Jean. Oh, come on. Did I already say Forrest Gump? I think I gave that away too early. Okay, so you're at Forrest Gump right now? Forrest Gump. You didn't have a response for Billie Jean. St. Elmo's Fire. Oh, man in motion. Come on. Filmed at Georgetown. Interview with the Vampire. Tommy Cruise. Enemy Mine. Zombies. Time Cop. European Vacation. Oh, come on, Pig and Poke. Richie Rich. Uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Big. You got nothing, 94. I'm going to go for a Reacher here. Above the Rim, starring Tupac. He's already <laughs> had like six Reachers. <sighs> yeah. I think, we, a, I think we still got a big I, I, top. Dude, I'm we, still we still got Pee Wee's Big Adventure in there. I know, dude. That. No, I, I know. I already went with that one. Oh. All right. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Mm. What? Now you're reaching. Billy Madison. Ouch. Oh. Red Ooh. Sonia. Uh-oh. Red Sonia. I'm not familiar with this. Uh, Bridget Nielsen? Come on. Yeah. Fucking Conan the Barbarian, the sequel. True story. We're going to argue about Cooper's statement you made earlier. Possibly. Hoop dreams. The color purple. I saved that one for the very end. The color purple. Yeah. Colors the end in purple. I'm not going to quit. This is what we call a Hail Mary in the business. The Santa Claus starring Tim Allen. Oh, that's, you just failed off of that in general. I don't care what he says. <laughs> that's all I got. It's not even a Christmas movie. <laughs> all right, all right. No, hold on, hold on. Let me see if I can pull this thing out a little bit. I got one more. And I'm not confident. <laughs> all right, hold on. Hold on. You, got, you got a boot gun right now, don't you? Yes. Team, Team 94. Ooh, hold on, hold on. I got Cocoon. Ooh. And I have Desperately Seeking Susan. Madonna's well, best hit. Right? I also, I also... We got New Life. We got New Life. I also have... I have Mask. Rocky Dennison. Heck yeah, Rocky. Save and share. Wait for it. Throw all these out. I got a few here. I'm sticking with Van Damme. Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. Actually saw that in theaters. Hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, all right. 
I can't believe, dude. I thought after Pale Rider, you would have basically just, at that point, just given up. I'm not even listening to you. I'm just reading off my list. <sighs> Police Academy 2. Oh. Their first assignment. <laughs> Starring Callie Hinsman. <laughs> I'll go oh, 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 oh. I'm saving the there best one. To be a Beverly Hills you copy. Give me whatever you have. I got three. 1994 is Beverly Hills. Whatever you I'm got next is going to get fucking stomped on right here well, next to this. The Jungle one. Book. The cartoon. I just have two words for you that'll end this right now. Vision Quest. Oh, come on. Dude. Lunatic Fringe. You really have nothing else on that yeah. one. Loud and Swain. Are you serious? You even want to Best come at me? training montage besides Rocky uh, Dwarf. Same year. It's true. What it's movie it. invented the training montage? Now we're just getting into movie trivia. I would think probably Rocky. All right, what about American Ninja? Michael Dudikoff. The Little Rascals. Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. That was a good one. Brewster's Million. Oh, that's Wyatt Earp. Day of the Dead. Stargate. I feel like we go through this on any year and find movies that we're like, yeah. <laughs> and movies that we're like, me. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, no, dude, there's some really... I think 1985 takes it, hands down. You're biased. Oh, dude, there's no way that uh, this, like, 1985 has had the best collection of movies. Based on 1985 coming first, it had to actually be a more difficult task. Are you suggesting that 1985 inspired all these 1994 films? I think 1985 is probably the greatest year of movies ever. I, I'll throw one more out there. The reason being, it created an opportunity for this director to make everything else. But Clerks. Oh, okay. that's a good one. All right, that's solid. Yeah. I mean, dude, uh, dude, the, the fact this, that I have Vision the fact Quest. You don't have one coming back. The fact that I laid out Vision Quest and Pale Rider and Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Mad Max. Pulp Fiction, Shawshank, Dumb and Dumber, Billy Madison. Uh, it's up for the audience to decide. Uh, yeah, we'll let the audience vote on this one. But it's definitely one of those two years. It is. I mean, it sure as crap ain't 93. Uh, it doesn't we, matter. We, we've never That's looked at 93. Point. 93 it doesn't matter. That's I'm going through it now. I feel like 2000 is pretty solid. I'm going to be completely honest. If it included a Fast and Furious, What do we got 2000? I mean, just all, just the first two, Gladiator and the Patriot. Okay. I do. The Patriot was 2000? Yeah. God damn it, I love that movie. Crouch and Tiger. I mean, my, he gets... My personal favorite he, movie ever, Snatch. That's a great one, but I do like rock and roll a little bit better. X Men, American Psycho, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, American Remember Psycho. The Titans. Amer uh, well, year. American Psycho might be a solid year. one of my favorite movies. Eggshell White. Our business cards are modeled Are actually Nimbus. It's Long called. 60 seconds. He's like, is that blood? No, it's Cran Apple. <laughs> my favorite is when well, he's putting you... the dead body in the back of the trunk and the guy's like asks him about the bag and he's like you're mistaken Lewis and it's like, what, oh, what you guys can't see on this podcast are these sheepish grins when they, when they give their quotes it's hilarious uh, well, let's talk about the statement you made earlier with Val Kilmer's best movie what was that? Uh, Real Genius 
Yeah, he was he Doc Holliday. But he Holliday. wasn't the guy. Yeah, he wasn't the star. Nobody he was cares about White Hart with Doc Holliday in there. What, Do, Do, Doc was phenomenal. Doc, Doc. We can shift this to actors. I'll tell you, can't miss Kurt freaking Russell. That guy can do no wrong. Overboard. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> he shows his range. He's a comedian <laughs> as well as a very serious, amazing actor. And when he combines it, when he combines serious with with comedy in Big Trouble Little China, forget about it. Uh, Big Trouble Little China is a great movie. Yeah. I mean, the Pork Chop Express is uh, has been, you know, more. I'm, I'm, I'm sure, you know. You just keep on thinking. Yeah, well, here. he shook these beers up. I mean, it's. Yeah, the pork chop is a good old Jack Burton. <laughs> he is. What, what what year was uh was was that? It's probably before you were born. No, or eighty nine. Eighty nine is also good. You got Roadhouse. You, you know, right now, fucking good old balls deep Hinsman's gonna be like Jesus Christ, these fucking idiots have been talking about movies. And for Luke 20 is minutes. taking notes. <laughs> Luke's sad he's not here. Yeah, this I, is his dream. I guess podcast. the thing is, how many of these movies haven't the listeners? Well, uh, everything from at me. this point in like the mere fact that Vision Quest is associated with 1985 just makes an instant winner in my book. Sure, one of the greatest movies ever made is Vision Quest. Shawshank, Pulp. Is that like I'm the not... Indians send their kids out to the wild to see their? No, dude, that's their a animal. wrestling movie. No, it's, it's uh, do you remember the where he's going to wrestle the shoot? What? Oh my god! Netflix of the night. Yeah. All right, all right, we're still good, dude. It's uh, um, what's his name? Um, Loudon Swain is. Um, I will keep it. It's not Matthew McConaughey. Uh, it's um. He looks kind of like him though. No, it begins with an M. It's um, Matthew Modine. Yeah. So Matthew Modine. Did you Hollywood? <laughs> you know, you know one time mates. I went to the, pay- the Playboy Mansion <laughs> and I got to hang out with Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> no, never heard that one. I bet that was wild. Yeah, we had a weird time. It was a good time. <laughs> I bet you did some bitching golfing tours, dude. <laughs> some charity golfing yeah. events. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, that was a weird one, too. So Yeah, yeah. That, that, uh, that, did we yeah. just lock down your, your Summer Strong presentation, John? What? Why 1985 is the greatest movie year? <laughs> I'm down with that. I'll I was listen. gonna go more with uh, you know um, things that Ben Affleck asks you at the Playboy Mansion <laughs> for 100, Alex. <laughs> Your presentation is and 300. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, so. Uh, ben God. Affleck movies from 1985. Uh, so. Uh, so, I was going to ask you something today. I was watching uh, Breeze at the gym. Uh, Breeze, actually. Debreeze. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Debreeze isn't going to listen to this podcast, so I'll, I'll, you know. Actually, to tell you the truth, the he funniest probably part, will no, 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 the best part is, one day I was talking to him, I'm like, Breeze, did you see so-and-so on, on the, you know, Facebook or whatever? He goes, Hammer, let me just tell you. He goes, frankly, the Breeze is too damn cool to own a computer. He goes, what the hell? The Federale's going to kick in my door one day, and I'm sitting there in my underwear on some damn chat room. He goes, it would ruin 25 years of great image I have with him. Hell no, ain't happening. Okay, so, so Just so you know, doesn't own a computer. Okay, so, well, that, that's good. Um, then, so he was telling me he trains people. 
Who knows what the breeze actually does? You know, nobody knows. No one really knows yeah. where the breeze go or head beeth. Well, I didn't know. What, I, I was trying to pick out which vehicle was the breezes. Yeah. And I walked out there, and you know what? I was pretty sure it wasn't the Toyota 4Runner. But it could True been. story. It was the 4Runner? No, it was not. It was not. I, I imagine him driving around in like a 1986 uh, Lincoln Continental. He did in 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 '86, and when when he was a professional wrestler. Now he drives around, or he drove around a big truck for a while, known known as the Mule, for a while, with a pair of with a pair of muddy rubber boots crammed in the back, like between the bed and the oh, yeah. <laughs> in the cab. Yeah, just go find the one with paper plates. It's probably yeah, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly with with hooker glitter on it. Or yeah, something. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, he uh, yeah he he was trying to tell me he's like yeah kids and girlfriends, and I was like what the fuck is Debris talking about? But, uh, yeah, we were uh, – so I, 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 as I was watching him today, uh, obviously try to get under a squat, and the guy uh, – Bert thought it would be funny to bring in, uh, you know, one of his mentors in life and somebody who's really modeled himself after this guy, a.k.a. DeBreeze. Uh, so DeBreeze is a, uh, uh, you know, quality human being, told me um, within the first six minutes of knowing him that he'd been shot six times and stabbed multiple times. And uh, over by a FedEx truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He, he got hit by a car, worked as a wrecker and a professional wrestler. I think he, at one point he went on tour with Motley Crue because he was the guy that and was he making out, shit happen. And out-partied Keith Richards. Yeah. Keith Richards told him, Breeze, we got to go home. I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, true statement. <laughs> so uh, uh, as I'm watching DeBreeze try to squeeze himself underneath the squat bar today, I, I was looking at your uh, um, the bar with the uh, ox bar. The ox bar. So, what about the, um, and I, I've never squatted with an ox bar, but we have a buffalo bar and also like sure. a duffalo bar with the curve. So, how would you equate the ox bar to some of those? Is it a, a, sure. a better curve? How does it feel? What we did with that, uh, you know, I trained on a, on a buffalo bar since the early 90s when, when, you know, when they were first available. Dad had one of the first ones. I actually tested one of the first ones. It's a great bar. Lays across your shoulders really well. It has like a, a slow, uh, a gentle curve. A gentle curve, right? So the ox, we were, we were thinking about, you know, obviously doing a bar of that type. And we started playing with some different angles and some different designs. And we realized that almost a, a, instead of a general curve actually having more of an abrupt break in the middle, kind of like a bend, actually takes the pressure off the cervical spine right there at the top between the traps. So it, it transfers it out. Instead of being evenly out over the shoulder and the spine, it actually pulls it out to the shoulder. And... Um, we tested it with some of the strongest squatters in the world probably four years ago, and they ran over 1,200 pounds with it. And uh, we all liked it too. We were like, well, maybe we're onto something, but you know, some of the strongest people in the world, what do they think? And they're like, damn, this bar feels freaking amazing. Nice. So it was kind of a, an underground project we were playing with. Um, it's been, you know, Ox Bar, it's been, a, it's been a good bar for us. We sell a good bit of them to. Uh, Specifically, NFL and actually Major League Baseball is jumping on them now mm-hmm. because they're taking off some of the shoulder pressure. So it's it's pretty much the only bar I squat with if I get got the chance. I still like the Buffalo bar; it's a good one. I felt a Buffalo. Uh, Chris showed me one of his bars. I got it on my back. I haven't squatted heavy with it. Yeah. Uh, it it may be very very good. I can't speak to it. Yeah, we we uh, we got one. You know, they have a, like a Black Friday deal or sure. something. So we you know try to support other businesses. So we actually bought one. And used it, and uh, um, yeah, we'll use it 
deadlift and uh, we've used it to bench and do some things. That's sure. fine. I just, I was, uh, I had never squatted with your ox bar, so I saw it today. Yeah, try it out tomorrow, watching, see what you think. I'd yeah, love to get your insight. Watching Breeze uh, get underneath it was, uh, actually he asked me to help him get underneath. Can you, can you push me underneath? I got this frozen shoulder. <laughs> It's like, good breezing. Yeah, I, I was I, I was working on it to the point where I started doing it back to him, and he didn't really notice. So, which makes me realize that when he talks, he doesn't actually listen to what you're saying. There's a chance of that. Yeah, no, no, he was just listening to what he was saying. Yeah, yeah. The the breeze is a special a special anomaly of a person. Did he? Does, so does he just show up? Yes. Yeah, yes, I was, which goes right with the moniker <laughs> of the breeze. Well, he blows what, in like a warm breeze. And, and that's how, that's how I asked him one day. And you know, in a sober moment, I asked Breeze. I said, "You or him?" Well, potentially both. <laughs> <laughs> but for the story, you know, he could never be sober. So we uh, we were hanging out one night, and I was like, "Breeze, like honestly, how did you get the name the Breeze?" And he goes, "Well, Hammer." I'll, I'll be honest in how he said it. Well, I was running whores <laughs> back in some of those bars back in Florence. And, uh, and, and I was going in the bar there, and uh, all the old codgers sitting at the bar come. Uh, they they walk, watched me as I walked in the bar. He goes, you know, mind you, I was 14. You know, and, uh, <laughs> and he goes, throw that out there. Yeah, yeah, mind you, I was 14 and, you know, still had a 315 power clean and uh, <laughs> was, was pushing bales of hay up the, up the hill getting ready for football season, eating brewer's yeast and uh, – Eating the uh, the fertilized eggs that the that the rooster had screwed the day before, but yeah, you know, know besides all that, yeah, fourteen years old, just sobered up, semen. just so, sobered up from a liquor drunk, chasing them whores into the into the Florence uh, tavern, and then some of the fellers at the bar said, "Oh, here he comes, just breezing on in like he owns the place." <laughs> and he goes, and from there, hammer. I was the breeze. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> upon one of his attacks, that that ended up in multiple stitches and potential life support uh yeah he uh he 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 coined the phrase it ain't easy being breezy (laughs) as as he said that with tubes in his mouth helping him breathe uh as as the bullet as the bullet wounds were getting unfestered you know that's what you don't really run into in california is guys like the breeze and I, i have a feeling that People like him exist in places like this, and also places like that in Texas. <laughs> sure, you know, like uh, you know, but they're you know, like, could you imagine a guy like the Breeze out in Orange County? He wouldn't exist. He could, well, he, he could be himself. Walrus. Yeah, you think he's a walrus? He could be. You should ask me. Knows uh, knows the Beatles. And he's like, there's, yep, there's I was quite, a walrus. There's quite the chance. No, that's actually funny. He called one day, <clears throat> and what he'll do, he'll call and he'll just start. If I don't answer the phone, or if I do, there's rarely there's rarely any introduction. Hey, Bert, how you doing? He just starts talking. He'll just start going. I'll I'll, I'll show you some voicemails later, and they're absolutely hilarious because I save them because they're funny as shit. So it's like, so I'm hanging out with, uh, and then you know, some. I mean, that's how the message starts. And then he's like, so I'm hanging out with so and so that used to play in the league at so and so team, and we were mixing so and so pills with this and and Bloody Marys. And, you know, because he did this and this, and it was just the story zips off in a wormhole for a minute. And he's like, and then I was hanging out with Willie Joe Namath. So can I, can I say that based on Joe Namath? 
Yeah, everybody knows him as Willie Joe. Right, I got you. But can I say the, a story that potentially actually happened? Yeah, sure. I <laughs> okay, mean, I believe, believe me, uh, <clears throat> uh, I don't think we're going to offend any Joe Namath people, or we're not going to surprise anybody sure. a Joe Namath problem. So, God knows he used to rock a, a fur coat, and he used to hang out at Studio 54. Sure. So the so, story So the story goes, so I'm hanging out with so-and-so and Willie Joe, and uh, <laughs> I wish he was here to tell it. And so, uh, so we're hanging out, and, and we're waking up the next morning after a big, long party. And if you remember, Willie Joe could pull all the ass he wants to pull. And uh, he goes, but we're, we're, we're sitting there looking, looking through the bottom of a, of a, uh, of a Bloody Mary through the, through the sunlight coming in the door. And this just nasty-looking chick just comes slinking out of his, his old hotel bedroom in the back. And we're like, dang, look at her. That's usually a little bit under Will, old Willie Joe's uh, standards. And he goes... Yes, I. Old Joe comes out. I said, Joe, what's the story with that chick? And he goes, Well, he goes, I just heard her sing, just amazing. It was she just made me feel. And I, she was up on stage. And he goes, Gosh, with that much emotion, I just had to know how she was in the sack. <laughs> he goes, He goes, Joe was banging Janis Joplin. <laughs> he goes, Which made me feel way better about doing it myself. <laughs> <laughs> that was the message I got on like a Tuesday with no context no so he's telling well Janis Joplin died in what like 71 like, 72 yeah, so, so, so I mean, he's telling you stories from like the late 60s Dude, but do the timelines cross with like Willie Joe's career uh, oh yeah I mean I, I would imagine I mean we can probably google it really right here but I mean like there were stories like so um, I don't know if you guys know this recently but uh, they auctioned off Janis Joplin's Porsche so she had this little bitch in 911, yep. and uh, her one of her roadies, uh, she like was like, hey, uh, the guy was like an artist. He's like, I'd really like to paint on it. So he painted this like, uh, like one of the most iconic cars on the planet. Yeah, it was his, in the movie Pearl. Yeah, actually. yeah. So so they just auctioned it off, and I watched this whole special on PB, on uh, on Speed Week about Janis Joplin's Porsche, and like they had a whole deal. And they had her sister, and I think uh, it was her brother or something, get up, and and the sister was actually like. You know, Janice was like this, you know, like larger than life character. And uh, she would uh, throw her hotel room key out at stage to guys. Nice. So so guys would be like, look, she like fucking throw her hotel, like, come see me. Here's my fucking hotel room key. And so she was, you know. She was down for the cause. She was fucking ready to get, you know, she was living the rock star life. TGS. Yeah. So Breeze's so, story could completely be corroborated. But what, yeah, I don't have any doubt on Breeze's story. The only problem is, is you know, when was this? When did you get this message? Like recently? Uh, Tuesday? Uh, this last Tuesday? Actually, I think I got it the night that Cal Dietz was staying at my house. So like within the last year? Oh, within a year. Yeah. So he's telling you. So we're in 2016. Sure. Let's say 2016. Let's say. Um, so he's telling you about a story that potentially happened 40, 40 50 years ago. Sure. Which makes him seven. Which really dials in perfectly. Yeah. To the well, he's 55 years old. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, he told me like seven times today he was 55 years old. So, as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I don't know if that story could have necessarily <laughs> been true. Because I'm thinking, well, let's do a little checking here. How old's Joe Namath? Let's look it up. There's this thing called the Google. The interwebs. So, we got, yeah, the interwebs. So, we have Joe. Is that on phones now? Namath. So, Joe Namath. And then you cross-reference it with The Breeze, Janis Joplin. Is The Breeze on the internet? He tries not to be. So That would ruin his Here's the only well. problem. Joe Namath is 73. <laughs> so Joe Namath is 73 years old. Sure. 
So he's right in the wheelhouse. So, well, Joe Namath, okay, and how and when did Janis Joplin die? 71, I think. Janis Joplin. Her, Jimmy, and uh, Jim Morrison all 71, right? She was, yep, 1970. So they're all 27. Yeah, yeah, they were all. Yeah, they all died of uh, uh, choking on their own. As well. And who else? They was all choked on their body. In your favorite year, 1994 or five or whatever the heck it was. You got it. Nice work. So, Janis Joplin was the same age, born in 1943, as Joe Namath. So that collaborated. The only problem is <laughs> when is the phrase? Well, if it's 2017, and we minus 55, 1962. Which, based 19 on the, years. based on the legend, perfectly feasible. Well, yeah, well assuming, assuming <laughs> if he's running horrors at 14, and so if, if DeBreeze was hanging out, drinking, uh, you know... Cobra Fang cocktails. Yeah, Cobra Fang cocktails with Joe Namath. When he was 14 and Joe Namath was 34. So, I mean. There's a chance. Yes. <laughs> there's a chance. Well, Tex, who said it, there's a chance. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm more surprised, honestly. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's look at this. So, let's say it was 1969 was the year. Sure. That means DeBreeze was born in 62. That means that he would have had to have been seven or eight years old. When Janis Joplin was alive, if she was two years, that was two years prior. Well, it, he was born in '62. He's 55. Right. So, so she died in '70. '70, right? According to Breeze, he. I mean, so. Well, he's he's kind of like he's kind of like Jesus Christ a yeah. little bit, or at least Beelzebub. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. He is like Beelzebub. Uh, so, uh, you know, I mean, it, this probably could be true, seeing as that, you know, DeBreeze is running horrors at 14. So there's a good chance that he was out partying and having sex with Janet Joplin and uh, Joe Namath when he was eight years old. It makes more sense than not. Story checks out. <laughs> Story yeah, checks out. This totally makes sense. So, so, so what you're saying is we got to take this stuff with a grain of salt. I would say. Yeah, I would yeah. say, but regardless – one of the best storytellers ever made. Secondly, if once you hear the stories and you think that's complete BS, and then you talk to someone and you're like, damn it, it's actually true. Because everyone I did thought was completely crap, someone actually corroborates. They're like, oh, no, I was there for that. Yeah, that actually happened. I'm really? Like, like what? Like Joe Namath? So, so now we're going to have to reach out to Joe Namath. Joe. And, and I mean, you know the crazy I mean, part is you'd be like, Joe, DeBreeze. And he'd be like, yeah. Yeah. Seriously. You're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, the I breeze. The breeze. That's, that's exactly it. Is that's Namath it. on Twitter? He's 73 years old. We should go to, uh, yeah, but he's an icon. <laughs> Didn't he get, like, shit-faced and, like, feel up some, like, sideline reporter recently or something? Sounds about right. <sighs> that was kind of, like, apropos, though, in that those days, right? That was kind of the thing. What do you mean? What, to feel people up? Well, I've seen Anchorman. Oh, he uh, actually, fucking Joe Willie Namath has a Twitter account. Just tweet the breeze. <laughs> At Joe Namath. Be like, Joe, do you know the breeze? <laughs> yes or no? Say once for, or 
Well, we can get all if all of Power Athlete Nation retweets Wellborn's tweet at Namath. Do you know the breeze? It'll catch his eye. <sighs> now you gotta do it, John. Wow. I mean, because it, it can't be just about a little rock and roll band out of Jacksonville, Florida, talking about the breeze. Was was he a uh, was he a rock star? No, he was a, uh, was a he was running horses. <laughs> he was a roadie slash party friend slash professional wrestler slash role model for serial killers. The breeze is bulky. Take me. Take me too. He we're sitting in Burke's office one day. Okay, the breeze breeze is in. Never met the guy before. We're sitting there. He goes, breeze. That's how he introduces himself. I still don't know his real name. I don't think anybody does. <laughs> but he just, no hello, no nothing. goes, Burke. However much salt you're eating, triple it. Walks out. <laughs> That's the that honestly That honestly happened. Well, the uh, the one I liked was, so like, uh, Burke Bert and I had this great discussion. We were talking about Dan John. Guy we've had on our podcast, and he said, you know, Dan John at Summerstorm last year gave this great talk about, you know, takeaways you could have, and one of them was, like, you step on the scale and you're 300 pounds and you're not a professional athlete or, you know, on the way to be a professional athlete, you probably shouldn't weigh 300 pounds, you should go see a doctor. So, like, Bird says that, and I was kind of, just kind of chuckled and laughed to myself of a personal story of my own. I, uh, um, I was uh, training pretty hard, and Louis Simmons hit me up a bunch of years ago, and I went out to Westside and started training. Sure. And, uh, after about three weeks at Westside of like eating at, you know, Bob's Bob and uh, Bob Evans and all that <laughs> other shit and just basically training and lifting with Louie and like banging serious weights, I stepped on the scale and I was like 320 plus pounds. I was like 326. Jeez. And uh, I came home and I was like, I'm going to fucking squat a thousand pounds. Sure. And so we started fucking training and I was like, you know, I thought maybe Louie's scale was fucked up or whatever. And so after about like three months of this, I'm like, I, I like got up one morning and I like was trying to roll out of bed. And like my wife was like, "What's wrong?" I'm like, "I can't get up." And I like had to like throw my leg over, and I finally rolled out of bed. My wife's like, "How much are you weighing?" And I'm like, "I don't know." And I stepped on the scale, and I was like 300, almost 330 pounds. And I remember my wife's like, "Do you think that's healthy?" And I'm like, "I don't think so." And then I went in the gym, and uh, I, I squatted 800 in a set of briefs, naturally, uh, like so, like so fast that when I stood up so fast, the weight almost shot off my back. And my spotters collectively couldn't squat 800 pounds. And they were like, let's not do this anymore. You're going to fucking kill us. And I was like, yeah, this is probably a bad idea. But um, I was laughing when you said it because my wife's like, this is yeah. probably not a good yeah. idea for you to be weighing this much. Yeah, unless you're a professional lineman or yeah, yeah. shot putter. 300 no, 300, pounds, no yeah. Bueno. Well, yeah, and like 300, I blew way, way past that. And I remember I was out of the West Side for like three weeks. My wife's like, how did you put on like 20 pounds? I'm like, I have no fucking idea. It's just, you know, you're at Westside. You're eating fucking with Louis Simmons every meal. All of a sudden, you put on all this extra weight. Is this when Nate hit the 40-inch uh, waist? Oh, um, I don't, I don't care. No, 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 that, that wasn't then. But that was uh, probably one of my other greatest stories with Nate. Was uh, Nate was this kid we were training, and uh, he, he's one of our buddies. And we ended up, uh, uh, when Louis hit me up, I took Nate with me. Sure. Because uh, Nate's um, got a very acute, very interesting sense of humor and a funny perspective. <laughs> what year? What years was, was that? Or what oh year shit! Was that? This had to be 2009, 2010, okay. somewhere around there. And so I, I bring Nate with me, and um, uh, Nate is a 
at this time, always still is, kind of a piece of shit college kid. So he's like used to sleeping all day, staying up all night. Sure. So all of a sudden we fly out to Columbus, Ohio, which is on East Coast time. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, like, you know, we got to be up for Bob Evans at 8 a.m. And so we got to be up at 6, right? Sure. Which is the equivalent of like 5 o'clock, which is 2 a.m. East Pacific time. So like I get up and uh, Nate's like basically like uh, doesn't know what's happening. I grab him. We get in the car and I'm like, let's go get a coffee. So we go to Starbucks. And I'm like, go in and get us two venti americanos. Come on out. So like Nate hands me my coffee, and so instantly as he hands me the coffee, I like just go to pound it. And um, uh, my one of my mutant powers is the ability to drink really hot coffee because I've been drinking hot coffee all my life. Asbestos mouth. Yeah, just really very pounded. And so I like I see Nate like hold this coffee, like looks at me, and I see him shake his head, goes like this, and goes, <gasps> and spits the coffee all over the truck. <laughs> And proceeds to scald and burn his mouth to the point where he has like sores and burns in his mouth, and he can't fucking eat anything. And he's like, <gasps> like fucking freaking out that he fucking burned his mouth. And like, he's like, How the fuck did you drink that coffee? I'm like, Because I'm not a fucking woman like you, you bitch. <laughs> and like, just talking shit to him nonstop. So, moral of the story is, uh, yeah, we had a good time. But um, <laughs> yeah, my poor wife, dude, was so funny. I was like, just, yeah. So, like, that story you were laughing about. So, to Breeze today, as I'm talking with him, I'm like, Breeze, you been on a scale lately? He's like, no, I ain't going near a scale. I'm like, why? He's like, well, I don't really want to. I know it's not going to be good. And, uh, the Breeze don't want to know it's not good. And I was like, all right. But I was looking at Breeze thinking, he's easily got to be 300 plus pounds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he hasn't been south of 300 probably since uh, eight years old. Until he banged in a shopless. Someone there, there, there. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was in, he was in a three fifty area in the eighties. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, in, in the eighties, he used to rock a uh, leather vest. Leather vest, chaps. Uh, well, uh, yeah, shirt. As I grew up, you know, Breeze would come by the gym, you know, haphazardly, which is another funny story. And I actually saw this. I can corroborate with this. The local police used to work out of our gym as well. So you guys always had a store next gym? Yeah, we always had a, a gym since I grew up. It's just whether it be a, a little pri- private place or commercial gym, whatever. So a lot of the cops worked out of our gym, and actually a couple of them. One of them is the sheriff of our town now. That was my workout partner when I was a kid. And <laughs> Breeze would get in so many fights during the week at random bars that he owned and everything through town. He, they would call it a two eighty seven because simple assault costs two eighty seven two hundred eighty seven dollars for the ticket. So they would serve him as warrants for the tickets on like Thursday, because that was the day he squatted. He would always squat at our gym with all the other big squatters. But all of the, he, he lifted with all the cops. So he was like the outlaw that they always kind of liked. And they knew he was like bad and they're gonna have to arrest him probably, but they respected him. So they would literally show up and serve the warrants at the gym, but wait till he got done with his sets of squats. And they would just hang out and watch. And they're like, Breeze, we've got a couple more for it. He's like, yeah, just put him on the bag. <laughs> and they would literally put his, his actual tickets for simple assault that he would get weekly on, a, on this gym bag. And he would like, all right, gladly, you know, hey, boys, you know, like, or whatever. I actually saw that happen when I was growing up. Wow. It was wild. And so, yeah, I saw him, you know, like I said before, like, you know, Pull up to the, pull up to the gym in the Buick, you know, puke out the door, you know, put four cans of Fix a Flat in the tire from the night before, <laughs> walk in, t- take a T-shirt and a pair of shorts from Pops, go out and lift, you know, literally squat over 500 pounds, and you're like, wow, I, I doubt that guy slept for days. 
and then uh, get his get his warrants and he'd leave. <laughs> you know, and you see him next week. It was great. Wow. Yeah. He's uh, quite a role model. He's, he's, he's kind of a cartoon character. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. He's yeah. like if you took Bluto from Popeye and Yosemite Sam and Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> and you uh, had them in a band together that sang nothing but Molly Hatchet songs. Exactly. That's with the debris. <laughs> pretty much. You know, I say, I say, I say. That's what he reminded me of the no, thing when I was talking about When he was, no, he was talking about Foghorn Leghorn. You remember when he's like, you remember Foghorn Leghorn? He was the chicken. You remember where the, the little guy's like, oh. the big rooster. Where, where, the, know his name. where, yeah. where the little chicken heart well, was I like, yeah, yeah, oh, I say, I say, I say. So as he's talking to me today, I realize he's fucking Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah, he's a jet. He's Bluto slash Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just, just like. Yeah, another another character in my life is Rudy Reyes, and I try to describe him to people, kind of like not a, Foghorn Leghorn, not Foghorn, more like like I, he kind of gives me a little bit more of the uh, Brad Pitt Legends of the Fall. But I'm going more. Is it? Yeah. Legends of the Fall, 1994. Yeah. What? 1994 Legends of the Fall. All right, that might have tipped the scale. Pulp Fiction was 94 too. Yeah, that was what I led off with. I know. I hit a grand slam. Lead off. Uh, I don't know, dude. We're so fucking. We got Vision Quest. <laughs> what? We digress. Well, no, like I said, just another amazing person is, is Rudy Reyes, and he's like, uh, in my opinion, like if you took Bruce Lee, John Rambo from the first movie, mixed him with uh, Gary Busey, and um, which Gary Busey? <laughs> Like, uh, like which like, Gary Busey? Like Point Break. Like, Gary Busey. Gary Busey. <laughs> yeah. like Utah, give me two. Yeah, yeah. Or, point break or Gary more Busey. like 40, or I, I was kind of thinking more like Nick Nolte in 48 Hours Ooh. a little bit. That might be a good and one. Then, and then you throw in maybe like uh, David Bowie. So so if David Bowie, Nick Nolte, no, or uh, I'm sorry, Gary Busey, David Bowie, John Rambo, and, uh, Bruce, Lee. and Bruce Lee all roll. Jesus Christ. Well, there's only one Rudy Reyes. Generation Kill. They tried to cast him, right? To play, play himself. They couldn't, but they couldn't find any. No, but he was there as their military liaison to right. help them. And they go, uh, "No one can be you. Yeah. You are you are only there is one with Rudy Reyes." Yeah. So he's that unique. Uh, he is that yeah. unique. He's one of the most beautiful people I've ever met. Just his heart, because it's not even on his sleeve. It's just like hanging out over his chest, and. What you see is exactly what he is. Like, he'll hang out at the house. You'll see all these videos of him on, you know, Instagram and YouTube and all this other stuff. Him and it's like silkies walking around, super shredded, ripped, and just super amped. And I'll walk downstairs in my house, and there's Rudy Reyes at my kitchen counter in silkies, nothing else, freaking playing with my four-year-old son and doing, like, backflips. He's getting so excited and jacked up just to see like my son's face light up like he's that amped about life he's like the one of the most genuine people I've ever seen and met that just to, he, I would say he's the most emotionally courageous mm. yeah, uh, I read his book after yeah. Some Strong in May yeah yeah it's just, he's, he's an amazing book? person yeah uh, Heroes Warrior Spirit Warrior or something Spirit. like that uh, I got it on my phone nice mm-hmm. was it good? yeah did he uh, write it? Or was it like a ghostwritten or something? No, no, he wrote it. Uh, Hero Living. Yeah. Um, and he, yeah, he talks about wet, whetstone, so essentially principles in which he lives by to reflect back on and then go from there. Yeah. Uh, Grew up in an orphanage. 
Yeah, and he, he goes through his, his life in the beginning. It's like, yeah. Vince, He's hard knocks, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah just, just an amazing person. And it's, then, then it's like one of the weird pleasures of my life to, I think it was Summer Strong 9, to, or 8, 9, to introduce Rudy and the Breeze. Like I introduced him at the, at the like Sounds the Friday like night band. party, and I'm just sitting there like going, "Oh, this is going to be amazing." And what happened with like two magnets that just opposed each other? No, it was like you would expect it to be just a complete and total, just barfarama. Like you know, like for like, it, it was it was amazing. Like just you know, this first they kind of you're kind of squaring off because you get two amazingly big personalities huge personalities can't fit in the room either one of them and they kind of both figure each other out like oh man like you're gonna feed me and by the the end of the night oh my gosh by the end of the night you know breeze comes up to me like he calls uh, he calls uh uh, Rudy American Beauty because he has a nickname for him. He was like American Beauty and I are going to go to the go to the shoe, the shoe show. I'm like, what's the shoe show? He goes, well, well, they only wear shoes. <laughs> I was like, perfect. <laughs> That's what he calls strip clubs, the shoe show. Oh, the shoe show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna steal that one because they only wear shoes there. So yeah, no, he and American Beauty are now boys, and uh, it's just funny. I, I literally talked to both of them today, and they they both texted me, said that they just checked in with the other one, and the other guy's okay. <laughs> he's like, I just talked to Breeze, he's doing good. And he's like, I just talked to American Beauty, he's doing good. They're checking on each this other. It's just awesome. So that's part of like the summer strong ten. The buddy system. Oh, it's, yeah. it's going to be... Hey, if your buddy, that, that would be hilarious if you, if you show up and you get a bracelet and somebody <laughs> else gets buddy. a bracelet and you have to go around and be like, you're my buddy for the weekend. You're a swim buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think I'm not going to do that. Oh, that's fucking genius. You show up and you're like, I have a bracelet and my bracelet's got the same number as your bracelet. I guess we're buddies. And then you're like, everybody find your buddy. <laughs> yes. I'm telling you right now. I am doing that this year. You can't leave your swim buddy. Be like, don't leave me. Breeze. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so American Beauty and, and Breeze. Oh. And then you got Breeze's sidekick, his straight man's named Cadillac. And he looks like he's straight out of The Sopranos. And, he, and that guy is pure class, hence the name Cadillac. So he'll be, yeah. you know Cadillac, right? Uh, I met Rudy and Cadillac and spoke at them at the bar uh, at, at nine. There you so. go. There you go. So yeah, there's going to be some interesting. So if you guys, uh, Summer Strong, two th- or uh, Summer, Summer Strong, Strong 10. 10, 2017 is going to be obviously the 10th year of Summer Strong. Summer Strong is really the, um, what we're calling a down-home, old-time strength revival. Yeah. It also happens to be your old man's birthday. Sure. And uh, we and uh, the it's homecoming g- of all of our people in the brotherhood that we love, find extraordinary, and want to introduce them to each other to make more extraordinary experiences. Cool. Yeah. What are the dates? May nineteenth, twenty twenty first. Sweet. And uh, Power Athlete will be there in full force. Heck yeah! They will be there to, in full force. Can't wait to hear you go off. I, in nineteen eighty in nineteen eighty five movie speech is completely cool with me. I thought you had a great so, speech today. Oh, what'd you think of the talk today? Was I really that, enjoyed uh, it. I was very it much insightful? Enjoyed it. Yeah, it was. And a lot of times, a, a great presentation is that maybe when you first hear it because it agrees with what you already think. Um, but I love that it 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 filled in the blanks for me on some of the things that maybe I sat over beers with my buddies before and going like, what 
okay, how, how does this work out? Or these long conversations you had on certain athletes or yourself or whatever it may be. So they filled in the blanks for some of that, but also took it further and what athleticism is and defined it and added clarity. So I thought that was really good. So one of the analogies, why I enjoy working the seminars with John is because <laughs> the seminar is unique in that I hear legendary stories I've never heard before. Sure. Like a couple parties, but at the same time, uh, a new perspective. And the analogy you gave was from uh, Neo, right? Needle in the mind. Sure, I, yeah. Yeah, the splinter in the mind. Splinter in the mind. Yep. So that that's honestly what like it gave me the itch back in two, 2000, my whole college athletic career, and then in 2009 of, I can't scratch this itch, I'm going to find someone who will. So the fact that you said that today, it was like, took me straight back to, I'm going to find someone who can answer the questions I'm asking, because everyone around me can't. Right. So. Right. Yeah, and it was, it was a very clear description and it was kind of cool earlier we were talking to Aaron and he defined athleticism that fellow he was talking about and it was just a subtitles of what you had just said in your official description and it makes perfect sense you know so I, I won't I won't ruin it for the people but it yeah, is no, uh, uh, yeah I mean we've I like to it made a lot of sense and it, uh, it's something I think more people especially when they haven't had the 10 or 20 years in the iron game and or high level athletics and they haven't had to sit there and think how the heck did I get beaten by that guy he looks like a schlub and then go wow how did you know whatever it may be you sit there and, and observe for decades and have these feelings and that was just one of those things that opened that up so I think some people that hear that presentation won't even know those questions are out there Yeah, but uh, I think by understanding that and taking that in, it'll get you further down the line and, and allow you to be a better coach. That's yeah. great. You know, what's the point if I, you know, I play it safe until I'm 50 and then cash out and, hey, great, I got some cash in the bank, but dad's long gone. Like, I want him to see his museum of, of physical culture. I want him to be the curator of it. I want him to see hundreds of people come into Summer Strong 10 or Summer Strong 20 and, and go, and, and I, I want people to come to Summerstrong that don't even know the origin and reason of it because it's transcended into something so much greater that people want to be involved in strength and for dad to be able to look, sit back and go, wow, this crazy-ass harebrained idea in 1980 that I had to make strength equipment better than anything else. So it was out there because I wanted it better because he didn't want to sell it. He just wanted it better for him. Sure. Like, I want to award him with that because I would hope that would be something my son would do for me when I'm close to 70 and pick up the sword and start swinging. So that is the blessing and also the curse because the yoke has been transferred to me and, you know, people go, oh, you work so hard. You're always traveling, always doing this. I'm like, yeah, but what else are you going to do? What else are you going to do? I always love when people ask that, like, like, why are you guys surprised? Like, what else right. would I do? Well, is, like, there, is there really another option? Yeah, is there anything else? Is there another option? Yeah, yeah. is there anything else other than to fucking bust your ass? And like, sure. Like, uh, look, I always think too, like, if you get to the end of the finish line and there's not a bunch of dense scratches and fucking just, you know, broken off, if like the car pulls in right. and it fucking dies and there's no dents or scratches and it's not sure. banged up, you're not rolling in a four, four ball tires and empty, uh, uh, you know, uh, empty tank of gas. Did you really live the life? Right. Like, and how much more uh, is available, you know? And yeah. th- and that's what I, when he finally goes, I want him to go. Damn, son! Like, 
We you do. did more than I ever thought was possible. Thanks for including me in this. Take it from here and go. And I hope that's a really long time from now. You know, but I have to know every day that the best case scenario of that happening is today. Best case scenario is today. And I told him, I said, if, if, I, if I took the business where it was when he did it, and again, no disrespect whatsoever to where it was when he was there, but if I couldn't change it in a positive way, in my opinion, he was a failure and I was as well. Because what did he spend all that time teaching me if I was unable to build onto his knowledge well, at 20, yeah. what he was able to give me at 47. So, I mean, you think about, too, I mean, what, uh, um, you know, part of the job as a parent, especially as a father having sons, like, you know, you, you have a son, I have a son. Sure. Big thing I think about is uh, what skills and what do I want to teach my son that will make him grow into the man that I'm proud of. Correct. And, like, I think people don't look at that stuff anymore, and they just kind of figure, like, oh, well, you know, I have the, uh, the state to educate my child to go off to college, and no hopefully he becomes a person I, I, I believe him could be, instead of being like, no, I'm not, I am not depending on anybody to raise my child, and more importantly, allow my son to grow into the man I want him to be, unless it's me. Right. And you know what? And, like, the way you do that is, like, you know, I mean, there's... Here's the age old, like, you know, kind of be a dick to your kid. But, like, that doesn't work. Yeah. Like, you know what, what you do? And the, the greatest example I have is from my dad. Um, my dad's always been a, just a super hard worker. And we only got to see my dad on the weekends because he busted his ass and worked all the time. Sure. But I remember as a little kid waking up at, like, 3 in the morning because I would hear my dad out on the typewriter doing his billing and his briefs. And my dad's a lawyer. And he would do all this work. And, like, 3 in the morning I'm sitting there and I would hear my dad's typewriter going all the time. Actually, I mean, the choo-choo-choo-choo. And every night, I heard my dad on the typewriter, and I remember asking mom, like, what's dad doing? She's like, he's working. He's doing his billing. And I'm like, but isn't he at work all day? She's like, yeah. And I was like, he's but he comes home billing. and he sleeps. Yeah, he, sleeps, he does his billing, his briefs, everything he had for his uh, cases in the morning. He would get up at 3 in the morning, and I was like, but what time? He goes to bed. Like, he comes home after we go to bed. She's like, yeah, he comes home, eats dinner, and he sleeps, and he wakes up at, like, 2.33 in the morning. That's when he works. And I remember, like, hearing, like, and my mom being like, well, that's what you have to do to be successful. And, like, so my entire life I knew that, like, if you wanted to be successful, there was, like, this hard work ethic. Yeah. And it just ha is, is what you had to do. Nothing comes and nobody gives you anything in this world. Yeah. And so, like, that mentality and, like, that for my, like, for my children sure. is, like, such an important thing. Like, like mom and dad work. Like, this is what they do. Like, my kids are like, you know, where, where's daddy going? Daddy works because this is what happens. Like, you have to bust your ass. And, um... You know, like the idea that like we're not lazy and like this, like all of these things, which is you know people go oh, it's old school or this. I mean, but no, that's fucking that's how the shit works. Yeah. Like like things just don't magically appear. Like you just don't fucking you know like my daughter who was like oh I uh, broke something and I was like well what are we gonna do you broke it she's like well won't mommy just order it off of the internet and I was like no, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. And so like that's the deal where we've grown into this like you know I mean here's a situation like you want good at gym so when your dad wanted gy good gym equipment. What did he have to do to get it? Build it. He had to build it. He had to, f he had to first learn how to build it. Yeah. And he had to like... Then he had to buy the material. Uh, yeah. He had to borrow the tools to build it so then he could sell one to buy a tool so he could build it on his on his own and not have to borrow the tool. Yeah. I mean, but now it's like, what do we do? Uh, you can get online and price shop and who knows? Is there a steel made in China? Right. That and, you know, this and like, you know, everything is like the cheapest dude. I can go down to Walmart and buy a fucking spot rack. Of course. Or a bar that fucking bends or whatever. And so you have a situation where it's like the people that know and the people that understand quality. I mean, for me, walking around and like, 
seeing welds and like pieces of being able to look at the fabrication and realize like dude those guys added gussets there because this is a load and like how they're spreading it and seeing the uh, the craftsmanship and the engineering that went into it was like really impressive because right. I see people half-ass shit all the time and I'm like why would they do that and right. the one thing that I couldn't see and I would fucking have said something I didn't see a single thing that I looked at and thought that was half-ass thank you thank you and those, so those well, guys have done again, a good job you know, Dad and I have talked about maybe it was a gr- good idea, maybe it was a curse to uh, name the company Sornex. If we if, you know, <laughs> There's nowhere to hide. Right. There's it's nowhere to name, fucking hide. You know, right? If you had a freaking training or a consulting or it was called Wellbornex, you ain't selling it. You ain't walking away from it. You're not going to just say, hey, this customer isn't really happy. F it. He's kind of a douche and we're not going to worry about it because he's kind of wrong. No, it's your name. It's your name. It, you, you work your entire life to, to make sure your name is is it held in high standards. So sometimes you have to hold on to the ship and ride it down when maybe you shouldn't. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's a dumb idea. You know, I mean, we've talked. Have, have to, you guys ever had anybody offer coming to try to buy you guys? Uh, no, we've had some overtures, but nothing nothing super strong. Yeah. But we've had years where banks told us you're crazy for going on any further. We've had years where banks told us we wouldn't give you a hundred bucks if you wanted it. We've had we've had all those years, and in all of those years, were time you know, cause in thirty seven years you're gonna have a lot of shit go down. And in all of those times, I've I've been in CEO groups, I've been and had third parties. Can't tell you how many times people said sell it, get rid of it, soft crash it, do stuff like that. And had we done that, obviously we wouldn't be sitting here. Obviously we wouldn't have, you know, a three years in a row, our best years. Obviously we wouldn't be in over 98% of the NFL. We wouldn't have the elite military groups making sure they had the best equipment in the world. That stuff wouldn't have happened if we would have let go of the road. And it's so easy to, and it makes so much sense to, it makes so much sense to say, F it. This is really hard. I'm working 80 hours a week. I'm not getting any money. I put my entire life savings into it. I half my salary. There's no guarantee this is going to work. My dad didn't get paid for over a year. And he told me, he said, son, I gave you all the all of my money I have. I gave you the company. I'm taking a subsistence salary just to pay my bills. I think you could pull us out of this. Sorry I got cancer. I got to deal with this. And... I trust you. That's a big fucking weight. Yeah. It is. And you kind of go, okay, I guess I'm not going to sleep 2005 through 2007. Yeah. Shit got serious. Shit got real serious. Yeah. Right? And then, you know, and so the people who really know, and they see us in 2017, like, those are the people... And they go, wow, you guys, holy you, wow, shit. You, you guys just made it. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's honestly as surprising for them, many cases, that, and they walk in the new facility like, holy crap, and I look at the look in their eyes, and they're like, hey, not the congratulations, like, this is really neat, but the congratulations, like, holy shit, I was there for the really, really hard times, and I know, and damn, we all counted you out. And, and that's where it's like, you kind of sit back for a second and go, oh, okay, is the fight kind of over at least for a minute has the has the bleeding stopped has it and then you go well maybe maybe we're in a better advantageous position but the fight hasn't slowed down it hasn't stopped it's just now we're going to take the hill versus keep it yeah. you know versus keep the ground now you're going to take the hill and so then you you go into the next phase with that excitement that 
you know, you're on attack mode versus having to, to hold your shit together with, with pipe cleaners and bubble gum. You know, and that's that's happened over the years, and I'm not I'm not too proud to say it. And I think we were able to create a great product and great service through all of the hard years, which is a testament to our staff. Yeah, but, but also, uh, I mean, uh, talk about learning. I mean, uh, oh, you know, like like I told you the uh, the story today of the samurai sword, but uh, the samurai sword only becomes a samurai sword by being folded, pounded, and heated. Sure. And uh, you know, and I remember um, uh, my my mom, who's you know, has uh, probably bestowed more wisdom on me than any other human being on the planet but i remember one time i told my mom i was like it's kind of it's so hard and she's like yeah what you think it was gonna be easy and she's like if it was fucking easy everybody would do it sure and she and then uh it wouldn't be a definition of excellence yeah and then she she made a funny point she's like hotter the heat or what would she say uh, hotter the temperature the stronger the metal the hotter you can heat it now it's time for you to empower your performance and ladies and gentlemen, we're going to leave it there. Keep your eyes peeled for registration for Sorenex Summer Strong 2017 in Lexington, South Carolina. The dates of the event are May 19th through 21st, so don't sleep on getting your tickets. As promised, the weekend will be filled with great talks, throwing around some iron, and of course, the buddy system. Until next time, bye!